Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Italy and Wales are through to the last 16 of Euro 2020, but the rest of the tournament is as wide open as Portugal's defence. I'm Dan Burke, and to run the rule of the second round of group stage games, I'm joined today by England's own Alex Mott. <laughs> Hello. Espana's Manu Dominguez. Hi, everyone. And making his long-awaited podcast debut, it's our resident Frenchman, Nico Bass. Hello, everyone. Hello, Nico. Very glad to have you here. Finally, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for about three years now, and you finally accepted my offer, so thank you for that. Thank you. I'm really excited. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I, I think it's fair to say it's been a very enjoyable tournament so far. And I just wanted to, to ask you all which teams you've enjoyed watching the most so far. Alex, you can go first on that one. Uh, well, not England. <laughs> um, I'd say, I mean, it has to be Italy, doesn't it? I, yeah. I think the biggest compliment I could probably pay to them is they look like a club side, which I think, um, considering you know the sort of short amount of time that the teams have had to prepare for this tournament, I think is... Um, very impressive, yeah. They've they've been really, really good, really, yeah. really impressive. They remind me of a club side that's very dear to my heart, actually. <laughs> Roberto Mancini's Manchester City. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Nico, have you enjoyed watching France? Uh, I've more more enjoyed watching Italy too. But uh, the first France game was really nice, and now I'm a bit uh, worried and excited in the same time. So, mm. let's see. And Mane, what's it been like watching Spain for you? Pretty. Frustrating. Uh, in Spain, frustrating. I, I cannot see that that this lady one thing uh, enjoying the most. Probably the worst performance in the Euros of the Spanish <laughs> one. But but that's true. I agree with with Nico and Alex. Italy. It's it's really fun to to watch them. Like all of the matches, they play really well. Even yesterday, with many changes, they were like doing a, a really good match. And also, I would I would like to mention Germany because that's true. Against France, France was like much better than the team. But then against Portugal. Even when they start losing 1-0, I think that the 90 minutes of, of Germany, they were they were too strong. Yep, indeed. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll rattle through the, the individual groups again, beginning with Group A, which is, of course, done and dusted now. Italy are through after winning all three of their matches, and they've now gone over a 1,000 minutes without conceding a goal. Uh, really good defensive teams usually aren't fun to watch, but you wouldn't say that about the Azori, would you, Manu? They are, they are a fun team to watch. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, they are they are able to to manage different situations when they when they want to keep the ball and play with the possession. They are doing very well. Locatelli is doing an, an amazing tournament. Even I mean, nobody's talking about Berratti. They play the first two matches, and it, it doesn't matter because Italy was was playing well. And and then also when you need like some speed in in the front, I think that yesterday Chiesa did an, an amazing match. But what to say about about Berardi or or Insigne in, in the first two? Actually, the, the most exciting thing at the, at the moment, it's already fine, right? 30 matches with, with no lose or with, with win straight since Mancini is the, is the coach. And, and let's see, let's see. I didn't I actually expect to Italy to do a, a good tournament because I think that checking like the level of the coaches around the tournament, not many of them are better than Mancini, but they didn't expect actually the team playing so well as, as they are doing. Mm. It's just Mancini's suit, I think. It's inspiring everyone at the tournament to <laughs> really, really give the role. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Verratti there. He had a great game uh, against Wales when he made it, He made his first uh, appearance at the tournament. Uh, Nico, have you, like me, fallen in love with Manuel Locatelli at this tournament? Well, I was already in love before. Oh, okay. Uh, his first game with Milan. This, this amazing season, <laughs> exactly. With Sassuolo. But I was really curious to see how he performs in a high-level international game. And uh, well, he didn't disappoint. He has everything, pace, vision, technique, and 
you can imagine the midfield they have with Barella and Jorginho and now as Manu was saying Verratti's back so it's amazing pretty good pretty good uh, well Wales are also through despite defeats at Italy on Sunday night uh, we were saying last week after the draw with Switzerland that we weren't sure if Wales had enough to make make a dent in this tournament this time around how far do you expect them to go Alex based on what you've seen so far um I think if I've got it right, they're going to be playing second in Group B, right? So that's one mm. of Denmark, one of Denmark, Finland, and Russia. And I think if Wales play like they did again in that second game against Turkey, and to be honest, even in parts of that Italy game yesterday, where I thought they they did pretty well, especially with ten men. I'd fancy to to beat one of those three in the last sixteen, and then. If they win that, then it's another trip to Baku, which probably isn't what the Wales fans <laughs> want right now, um, for quarterfinal. And then, I mean, honestly, who knows from there, really? I, I, I don't think they're quite as fun and quite as dynamic as the 2016 version. You know, all the players are five years older. Um, but you really can't sniff at two knockout stages in the last two Euros. From a country as small as Wales, it's, um, yeah, it's amazing, really. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd back them to get to the quarterfinals and then, yeah, from there, who knows? Really. Who knows, yeah. I mean, no one no one fancied them to get as far as they did last time, did they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Switzerland, they're still in with a chance of going through as one of the four third uh, be- the four best third-place teams. I always struggle with that sentence. <laughs> uh, Manu, do you think that this new rule has made the Euros more or less interesting? I mean, I know, I know we had it in 2016 as well, and I thought that was an awful tour tournament euro 2016 whereas this one i think has been quite good yeah i mean about the level of the tournament i don't know but this new rule for me is is actually disgusting i mean <laughs> how are you going to explain to the people from switzerland that they have to wait for three days just to know if they are continue playing the tournament yeah. they can start already their holidays i mean actually if you want to do like to, to do the tournament with more countries, I don't know, create like 32, but then only two per, per group they are they are going through. Actually, to have these best three teams from the different groups and then imagine situations like Portugal that they are not able to win any match and then they go through and they win the Euros. I don't know, for me, it's, it's actually it's ma- making it less interesting because... I, I want to know which teams they are going to go through. I don't want to be waiting like, ah, maybe I go through because I got three points and maybe the next third team is going to get like only two. I don't know. It's 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 my opinion. It, it, it doesn't make like like fair for... Yeah, for I hadn't thought about it like that actually. You're right, yeah and, yeah. and also, it's inherently unfair for the teams that play at the start of the week, like yesterday and today. Portugal, who play on Wednesday, know or could know, right, we need to win by two goals yeah. to be one of those best third-place teams. Like, how can that be fair? I just, yeah, I'd, in some ways, it's, it'd be much fair, the quality would suffer, but it'd be much fairer to go to a 32-team Euros um, and then just have eight groups of four, like the World Cup. Get but, San yeah, Marino I'd, in the Euros. Yeah. That's what this, this tournament needs. That's what it's crying yeah, out for. I don't know. It just seems it seems really, really unfair. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, well, Turkey have crashed out with three defeats. I mean, Alex, does this mean we should never again trust the football hipsters who, <laughs> who tip them as dark horses? I've noticed a lot of backlash against these people online uh, in the past few well, days. Well, I mean, we had a conversation with our colleague Phil, didn't we, Dan? And I, yeah. I publicly questioned how anyone could think Turkey were the dark horses, really. Uh, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm still baffled by it. I, I know they beat France in qualifying, but they also drew with Latvia and lost to Hungary <laughs> and Iceland, which people seem to conveniently forget. I mean, they just they haven't turned up at all of that. On paper, their spine does look really, really impressive, but yeah, every single member of that starting eleven in the three games it just looked unfit and really. I mean, I know that you know it's, everyone.
everyone in the tournament's had a long season, but they just looked especially unfit and really, really struggled. And he, he, you know, even yesterday against Switzerland, Switzerland aren't a particularly good team. They, yeah, they made Switzerland look like Brazil '82. <laughs> um, yeah, they were. They've been the biggest disappointments for me from the whole thing. Yeah, well, I saw some people saying that they missed uh, Cenk Tosun, who missed the missed the tournament with injury, and it's yeah. like. If if you need if you're relying on him, then <laughs> yeah, you're in a bit yeah. of trouble. Then, aren't you, if he's really? the answer, what's the question? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still plenty to be decided in the other groups, though. And in Group B, Russia got some points on the board when they beat Finland courteously of a nice goal from Alexei Moranchuk. Uh, that leaves Russia and Finland level on three points in Denmark, bottom of the group with zero. Although the Danes could still go through if they beat Russia. Um, who do you fancy to go through out of those three? Those three, Nico. Uh, I would uh, I would go for Denmark, not even for the Ericsson situation, of course, but also the way they played they played against Belgium, especially the first half. They were really aggressive in the pressing. The wingers were on fire, and I want to see them again playing like that. And with them, I would like to see also Finland with Radeki Oshognesi, however you pronounce it, Kamara Puki. They played well. They were they had no complex even against. Nice team, so that's the kind of teams you want to see at the Euros uh, going a bit in the quarters or something like this. Yeah, agreed, yeah. Uh, well, Belgium were impressive again as they came from behind to beat Denmark and seal qualification. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne got an assist and a goal. Um, is he the best player at the tournament, would you say, Manu? Oof, in terms of pure ability? Question. Yeah, actually, it's a hard question. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world and it's a pleasure to, to have the opportunity to watch it during these Euros, but... I don't know. I think that our colleague Nico, he's not going to be agree if I say that. And he has in his squad Mbappé, Antoine Griezmann, and, and Karim Benzema. But yeah, of course. And Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't compare Pogba with Kevin De Bruyne, even if Pogba is doing an, an amazing tournament as, as he did the World Cup. But, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> actually, as, as, as you say, goal and assist in his first appear with Lukaku also doing an, an incredible tournament. Yeah, I think that Belgium is going to be, yeah, as everyone expected, like, fighting for, for the semi-finals or the final. For you, Alex, best player at the tournament, De Bruyne? Yeah, I think, like you say, in terms of pure ability, uh, yeah, definitely. And um, what, he played 45 minutes so far and just totally changed that game against yeah. Denmark. He, he was brilliant. And that, yeah, the first time finish of the goal was just absolutely unbelievable. He's, I mean, we watch him every week in the Premier League and I can't, can't remember the last time he had a bad game. So mm. if he... I can remember when he last had a bad game. It was the Champions League final. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, for me. that's yeah. so true. Yeah. <laughs> in Group C, uh, North Macedonia became the first team to be eliminated from Euro 2020 when they were beaten uh, by Ukraine 2-1. Uh, that means the winner of Ukraine v Austria will go through to the last 16. Who's your money on there, Alex? Do Austria have a, a decent chance with Marco Anatovic um, back from his suspension? Well, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I think this one could be quite a close one thing, actually. I, I thought Austria, I mean, without Anatovic, they looked really poor against the Dutch last time out. And um, with Alaba at centre-back, I don't know, they just they really struggled for fluency like in midfield and, and in the final thirds. Um, they, they need to push Alaba forward a bit more and get him involved in the game. Um Ukraine, though, I mean, they despite conceding three against the Dutch, I actually thought they played pretty well. And, they were great, yeah. Um, yeah, and, they, and it never really looked in doubt against North Macedonia, despite, you know, despite that late goal from them. Um, and obviously they've got Yarmolenko, who just, he's one of those players that 
plays well for his national team and just seems like a totally different player to one who turns out for <laughs> West Ham most weeks. So um, I think it'd be a tight one, but I'm going to go one nil Ukraine. I think I think uh, that'd be that'd be what I'll put my money on. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll find out later. Uh, Austria yeah. were beaten two nil by the Netherlands on Thursday, meaning the Dutch became the first team to win a group at Euro 2020 and qualify for the knockout stages of the competition for the first time since 2008. Have they been the surprise of the tournament so far, Nico, or were, were we wrong to underestimate them? I think they remind us uh, Netherlands is always a dangerous and offensive team. Uh, maybe the fact uh, Van Dijk is out uh, um, made we under- underestimated them. Uh, and they have no big star, but I'm surprised and also happy to see Memphis Depay keeping the high level he showed this season in Ligue 1. Uh, he's like the leader of the, of the team and that's nice for them. But however, I don't see them winning against a big, big team like Portugal or Germany or France or Italy or whatever. So a nice surprise for the start of the Euros, but not until the end. Yeah, it's just nice to have them have them here and playing reasonably yeah. well, I think, yeah, in those beautiful orange jerseys of theirs. So uh, sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, a quick sidebar, uh, Manu, Memphis Depay scored his 27th international goal in that game, eight of which have come under Frank de Boer. Of course, he's now joined Barcelona. Are you happy with uh, that transfer as a Barca fan? I should. I mean, I should be happy because, as Nico said, he was one of the best players in the League One for the last for the last seasons, and you get that free with no cost. It's like a, it was a free agency. But the thing is, I have no idea where is he gonna play. At the end, he's the kind of player. And yeah, Nico, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but he's the kind of player that he's asking always for the ball to the feet. So he never break, you know, to the space and. At, at the end, we have in Barcelona this kind of player with Antoine Griezmann, also with, with Leo Messi. Um, right now, even they, they sign Aguero as a striker. So actually, I don't see him, where is he going to play, how Kuman is going to create a team around him if Messi stays. So yeah, I'm happy for the deal because I think it's a good deal to get a player like that for free. But topic up, uh, talking about how Barcelona is going to look like with him... I have some doubts. I'm not really sure that he's he's going to fit in the team. Yeah. Is there any chance that Messi might leave Barca this summer? I, I was reading an article about it before that was basically saying his, his contract runs out in nine days and it's just bizarre that they've not sorted it out yet. Yeah, I would say that actually when Barcelona signed Agüero, for me, the first thing that came to my mind, okay, if Agüero moves to Barcelona is because probably he has already spoken with Messi and it's a kind of deal between them. Okay, you come to Barcelona and I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to... I'm not going to leave. But the other day, there was like an interview that Joan Laporta gave to La Vanguardia, Spanish newspapers. And he was saying that he was confident with Messi, but at the same time, he was saying that the fair play control in La Liga is kind of hard won and it's not really easy to manage like the Messi's contract, blah, blah, blah. So I already opened the door that it's possible that maybe they cannot offer like a good contract to, to, to Leo Messi. And we will see. I'm, I'm looking forward to know what Messi is going to do. Probably he's going to wait till, till the end of Copa America, even if he finishes his contract in, at the end of June. But as Barcelona has signed Memphis Depay, that plays also in, more or less in that kind of role. I mean, yeah. I mean with a, a, a huge difference so far, of course, because we are talking about Messi. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what is going to happen with, with the Argentinian player. Mm, one to watch. Uh, speaking of transfer speculation, I mean, PSV wing-back Denzel Dumfries has also been the subject of a lot of speculation. And he, he was very good here, Alex, in this game uh, against Austria. Is, is, he, is someone about to unearth a gem by signing him, do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly been the breakout star for me. I mean, I, I will put my 
hands up. I don't watch an awful lot of Eredivisie, but um, <laughs> yeah, I've been so so impressed with sort of everything about his game in the past two matches. Really, like, he's clearly he's got pace. Like he's got a good eye for goals. We've seen over the past two games. He gets up and down his flank like really really well. Um, I think I read that after two games, he covered more distance than anyone else in the tournament. Oh which well, I think probably tells you all you need to know about sort of the work rate that he gets through and how well he's done over the, yeah, the past couple of games. So, um, yeah, I mean, and he's got the best name in the tournament, hasn't he? So Absolutely, he deserves to be yeah, a big yeah. club just off the back <laughs> of that alone. I, th- I think Bayern, I read somewhere that Bayern were interested in signing him. So, and you can definitely see him fitting into a, a big club like that. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, we see him at one of the super clubs come, come the start of the season. Yeah, I also read that Everton are interested, which would also oh, be a okay, great maybe not, of then. course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a super club. Yeah. <laughs> in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, to Group D, which continued on Friday with Croatia drawing 1-1 with Czech Republic. Uh, Patrick Schick gave the Czechs the lead from the spot after a pretty controversial penalty uh, decision against Dejan Lovren. Uh, what did you think of that one, Nico? And what, what have you made of VAR in general at this tournament? Well, have you ever tried to jump high with the arms along your body? It's, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, Lovren does not see Schick. Um, of course, the injury is really impressive. Is the bleeding nose, etc. But I would not have given a penalty, but you know, I'm not a ref. <laughs> but on the VAR, uh, for me, just the continuity of what we've seen in the past months and years. Well, it's supposed to, to erase injustice to help the referees, but I only see more incomprehension about the decisions and more pressure on the referees. So I cannot wait. <laughs> to, to get rid of the VAR. <laughs> you could be waiting a long time, I'm afraid, mate. Um, I mean, Alex, <laughs> I will, you, I will. you and I watch the Premier League every week. I mean, it's, it uh, seems a lot better than, than in the Premier League, doesn't it? 100%. I think um, they've had, they have like dedicated VAR ref, uh, referees and linesmen, don't they, for each game, which mm. I think definitely helps. It's not just sort of a group of people at, just outside Heathrow like it is in the UK. <laughs> um, I, t- I don't know, it just seems quicker. There's... That seems like better communication between between the VAR system and the referees. I don't know. I just it, it's it's a million times better than the Premier League, and I hope whether the Premier League have got the resources to have dedicated VAR referees for each game. I'm not so sure, but um, yeah, it's it's a million times better. I think I'm, I'm with Nico though. I I don't like it, and it's just. Yeah, like we saw the Croatia game, you can definitely have wrong calls with it. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly an improvement from the Premier League version. This, yeah, sure. there seems to be a lot less controversy, and I think the standard of refereeing at the tournament has been quite good overall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't yeah. see any of these like sort of five minute delays where they're getting lines out and drawing lines yeah, on the pitch exactly, and all that. Yeah. So it just seems like a, a much more streamlined uh, way of doing it mm. at, at the very least. Uh, Ivan Perisic scored a nice goal to equalise, but I still thought Croatia were a bit underwhelming in this game personally, and and have been at the tournament. Uh, what do you what do you put that down to? money what's going wrong with them there yeah actually the level that they showed in the last world cup make us to to think that whatever they're gonna do during this year is gonna be too less for for us still they are keeping like so amazing players like luka modric or or even ivan Persis that is kind of of Yarmolenko. i think that he does it better in in the in the club teams as he did in inter or, or Bayer. but he's a kind of guy who changed completely when, when he plays for for croatia and then right now they're gonna have the match against against scotland Scotland already drew, drew against against England. It's gonna be like like an, a, a tough match, but actually I trust I trust in, in Luka Modric and, and Croatia. I think that they are gonna they are gonna win against the Scottish team and actually they are gonna be already in the in the last sixteen. And to be honest, it's a kind of team that I wouldn't like to to, to face when when the knockout round starts mm. because because they have already shown that they are fighters and they have like enough experienced players to to, to win against everyone. 
Yeah, true. They might just be getting warmed up. We don't know, do we? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's hope England are just getting warmed up, Alex, because uh, on Friday we watched a pretty dismal game at Wembley, the nil-nil draw with Scotland. Were you concerned by England's performance here? Uh, hugely, yeah. Um, I thought people were going slightly over, top, over the top with the praise for the Croatia performance yeah. last Sunday. Um, but what really worried me here was just how static it was. Like, I... I've lost count of the amount of times where one of the fullbacks had possession and just there were no runners whatsoever in the final third. It, it really reminded me of the bad old days under Capello or mm. Hodgson where, you know, it was just possession for possession's sake and no cutting edge whatsoever. Um, which when you consider the options that England have in attack is is just criminal, really. Um, yeah, I was really, really worried about it. I, I mean, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer I will say on a on a positive note I think England never looked like conceding to me um, and I thought the back four and the goalkeeper were pretty impressive I've, Jordan Pickford came in for a lot of criticism before the tournament but I think he's done really well in these past two games and you know when you think about what we were saying before the tournament, that's almost a complete 180, really. You know, yeah. we just assumed that England were going to go all out attack and maybe concede three and score four. But yeah, it's certainly, um, as the result proved, been the other way around. Uh, yeah, I'm. Um, I'm worried about the Czech Republic game, to be honest. I, I'm, I don't think, I think we might draw. I can't see us winning unless something seriously big changes. But um, yeah, the Scotland game was, was a concern, 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not much at stake on the Czech Republic game, really. No. Is they, could, they could lose and still probably go through. So yeah. it's... Uh, you just want to see a, a bit more, uh, a bit more zip up front. I mean, yeah, Harry, Harry Kane is is a guy who's not having a good tournament so <laughs> yeah. far. Uh, what, what's wrong with him? Is he suffering from a lack of service, or is he just not playing well? Um, I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, he doesn't really look fit to me. I think yeah. he rushed back at the, at the end of the season, and yeah, he just he doesn't look fit. And he's doing that classic strikers thing, really, of coming deeper and deeper to try and get the ball and affect the play, rather than staying high in the line and sort of using his presence to create space for others. Um, and that's just really basic stuff. And um, yeah, I honestly think it's just it's as simple as Kane is trying too hard to do something or or be the hero, really. Um, Personally, I wouldn't start him for the Czech Republic game. Um, I think over the past two performances, he hasn't deserved it. I know Southgate is very loyal to people that he trusts, and that's fair enough. But mm. He's already said yeah, he's got to start him, hasn't he? So. Is, has he? Right. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I think, I don't know, I just I just don't see what he's at, really. Um, yeah, I'd, I would have got, I'd go with Rashford, Sancho and Foden in a front three. I just think that gives us... Much more pace, much more sort of creativity. Runners in behind. Um, yeah, I, I'd yeah. I'd, uh, if Kane scores, then yeah, it could be a floodgates open type situation. But at this uh, this moment in time, I just can't see that happening yeah. at all. Well, I couldn't understand why he took Foden off against Scotland. I thought I thought yeah. he really lost something in that game. And yeah, that and, really... and the Jaden Sancho one is pretty puzzling as well. I mean, Southgate has come out and said that uh, he, he wants to sort of not to put too much pressure on him. But it's like this guy's one of the main plays at Borussia Dortmund like he's used to yeah. pressure he's not like some unknown quantity is he so yeah, exactly. do, do you understand I mean, that at all I think well with taking Foden off that really baffled me because I thought on Friday he just he was the only one sort of taking responsibility on the ball and looking mm. to beat beat people and I really do think taking him off was just the easy option you know yeah. taking Kane or Sterling off they should have been the ones to go, but it's a lot easier to take off a 20-year-old with a handful of caps than your captain. And if Southgate isn't making those brave decisions, that would worry me a little. Mm. Um, and then on Sancho, yeah, I've honestly got no idea why he's not playing. I mean, I'd, I'd have Sancho in my starting eleven, and I would have done from the first game. Mm. But, I mean, 
perhaps it's a case that Southgate doesn't trust him or hasn't seen enough of him week to week, which I, I can't believe. Surely Gareth Southgate is watching videos of Borussia Dortmund games. Um, and if he's not, I mean, that's a <laughs> dereliction of duty. But um, I mean, I'd be amazed if he doesn't play at least some part in the game against Czech Republic. Because yeah. I don't know, he just adds something that we haven't really got, haven't had at the moment, which is a player that will go past someone has pace and could just sort of beat a man and put a, put a cross in. Mm. And, you know, if that, and that will help Kane and that will hopefully help the whole of sort of the attacking unit. So mm. yeah, yeah. I was a bit, I was very concerned on Friday, but yeah, a good performance tomorrow could, could change my mind. Indeed, and, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely so, wanted him to put Grealish on against Scotland, but I, yeah. I was sort of like, don't take Foden off though. Yeah, take, yeah. One, take Rice or, or Phillips off. Sacrifice a bit of defensive solidity and go for it. But sort of the same old, same old, really, isn't it? We, yeah. you know, we can't have two players who are brilliant oh, yeah, on the ball. Yeah, and, you know, cr- cr- yeah, exactly. It seems like he was terrified of losing and being the manager that loses to Scotland rather yeah. than you know actually taking a bit of a chance yeah, and, and yeah. getting the qualification sorted. But yeah. never mind. I mean, what did you make of Scotland's <laughs> performance? I saw some people saying they were brilliant. I'm not sure I'd go uh, that far. I thought I thought nah. they were okay. Um, do you, I mean, do you think maybe they might have been a bit unlucky? Not to win they, were, they could have perhaps nicked it with a few I, at the end. I'm with you I just thought they were okay but yeah. okay was all they had to be yeah. um, they had a good spell just before half time sort of on 30 minutes to 45 minutes I thought they did well and then they looked dang, they had that chance on the hour mark that was it Lyndon Dykes I think yeah. had a, a show might be Chay, Chay Adams anyway one of them had like a good chance but Apart from that, I just didn't really see them scoring at all, to be honest. But then I didn't see them conceding any either. So, mm. I I mean, I thought nil-nil. It was a bit of a nil-nil victory for them, really, wasn't <laughs> it? Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to try and find their shoes against Croatia because otherwise it's going to be a valiant exit, I think. And that'll be disappointing because, you know, from the performance against England, you'd think they should get out of that group, really, mm. especially when you look at, you know, Croatia haven't been good at all, really, have they? So, yeah, um, yeah they need to find someone who can find the back of the net against Croatia. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, but, well, Billy Gilmore was excellent against England, but unfortunately yeah. he's, he's now tested positive for COVID and will, yeah. will be out for, for that game, possibly the rest of the tournament, even if they do go further. I mean, that makes things extra tricky for Scotland headed into the Croatia game, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does because he, he was excellent, actually. I was I was reporting on that game and, you know, I had to do man of the match. I gave it to Andy Robertson, but I regret that now. I should have. <laughs> it was Billy Gilmore. He was he was brilliant all game. And, yeah, the England midfield didn't really get anywhere near him. So, big blow for them. But I don't think missing him is as big a blow as them missing Tierney in the first game. That was that was huge for them. And, but, yeah, he'll be back and, obviously, Robertson will be fit. Um, yeah, like I say, they just need a striker that can score goals or they just need one to, you know, come off a bum or whatever just you know <laughs> get lucky with whatever and um but yeah they've got they've got a pretty decent midfield otherwise so yeah shame for Gilmore but I don't think that's a, a huge huge blow for yeah them. there was a fake uh, Scotland uh, national team Twitter account doing the rounds this morning saying that uh uh, Robertson and John McGinn had also have to self isolate oh, right. having oh, to come okay. in contact with him. It's, it's fake news, totally fake news. But okay, I, when I saw good. that, I was like, "Wow, well, they're going home, then, aren't yeah. they?" Yeah. Uh, group E is wide open after Sweden beat Slovakia with a penalty from Emil Forsberg. Uh, all four teams in this group could still go through. Who do you think will finish first and second, Nico? It's uh, Spain versus Slovakia, and then Sweden versus Poland on Wednesday. Honestly, I see two draws, uh, two boring draws, to be <laughs> to be precise. Uh, which would lead to Sweden 1, Slovakia 2nd, and then uh, Spain 3rd, with only 3 points, and maybe not qualified for the next step, uh, which I would like, so that's my bet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, um, <laughs> before we come on to Spain, I've seen Sweden's approach at this tournament described as anti-football by some people. Is that a fair stick to beat them with, Alex? <laughs> I think that's more than fair. Uh, I covered their game against Slovakia on last Friday, and I can hand on heart say that is the worst game of football I've ever seen. <laughs> and this is from an Oxford United fan that watches them every week. Um, they're just offering nothing. Uh, like They're so... Just they're just boring, so dull. I guess the one bright spark from them is probably Alexander Isak, who yeah. is a very willing runner and works his socks off despite getting absolutely zero service. But apart from that, they're just a terrible team. Um, and whoever gets them in the last sixteen is going to be a very very lucky side, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Apologies to all the Swedish listeners. <laughs> I'm sure they will cover. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Manu, I mean, the other game in this group finished. Spain won, Poland won. Alvaro Morato did score in this game, but it was a, it was a frustrating performance from Spain. What, what's the problem with, the, uh, with them at the moment? Well, I think that the issue is that we are not able to... to have, for example, before we were talking about Italy, that Italy was able to keep the ball, but at the same time when they were on front, they had like some players able to open the, the defence, like to, to, to offer something different, like kind of dribbling one against one. And that's what it's actually missing in Spain because even not with Ferran, not with Dani Olmo, I have to say actually not with, with Marcos Llorente as a right back or, or Gerard Moreno, Spain t- uh, touch the ball, touch the ball, keep the possession. But then when you have to, to offer something different, you don't have Messi as Barcelona has, as Barcelona has for example, that is actually the, the same way of, of, of playing. And, and then you are not able to create like really good chance. If you are keeping an 80% of, of possession and then you shot like twice on target, it's it's impossible to win. And and then for example against Poland you have a penalty and you miss it too. Yeah. So it's 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 been really frustrating and also the way that we are defending because against Sweden, as 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 Alex say, they are like a terrible team. But being a terrible team and offering nothing, they had like two big chance, chances to score against 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 Spain. Because even in defense we are like being like Actually, not not strong enough, and the other day Lewandowski just just got three four contact with the ball, and, and he was able to do whatever whatever he wants. So, actually, yeah, frustrating what we have watched so far from from Spain. Difficult to see that it's going to be a big change because actually you check the players that we have on the bench, and there is no one that that makes you believe okay that is going to be like a game changer. So yeah, we will see. We will see. I don't wanna. I don't wanna give any any good news to to Nico, but it seems that that Spain has few chances to to go through to 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 the next, yeah. the next round. Well, they, they've played pretty much the same eleven in both games, haven't they? But I was reading earlier that there's some talk that that Busquets might play against uh, against Slovakia. That he might bring uh, Ferran Torres in from the start. Um, maybe Thiago will play. Can you see those players making a difference? I mean, Busquets is going to make a difference at, in terms of kind of control or, or to put like the high pressure to, to, to get before before the ball. But still, still is going to miss like this this someone who, who open a little bit the defense, who, who find the space. People are talking about Adama, but I mean, you get used to watch Adama more 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 than yeah. me. And I don't know. Do you think that actually Adama can offer this team to, to the Spanish national team to offer like, you know, at least this dribbling and to to break with, with the defences. I, I think I think he's he's just very different to what Spain have. And I think if he's in the squad, then I, I just can't really see why Luis Enrique hasn't used him yet. You know, if you'd won both games 2-0, then I could totally see that. But, you know, you were struggling to break down Poland in, in the last game. Um, and I just thought he's... 
he would be perfect. Just get, he, he, a defender will always be on him, and or at least two defenders will always be on him. So that will free up space for other people. Yeah, I've been surprised that he hasn't just thrown him on with like five, ten minutes to go. To be honest, but yeah, I do think he he would offer something. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's certainly not world class technically or anything like that. But yeah, it, yeah, if it's still nil nil with, with ten minutes to go, I mean, your next game, I really don't see why Luis Enrique wouldn't just throw him on. To be honest, Martha, especially with five Martha subs, in baby well. oil and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, lob him exactly, in there and yeah. watch him cause havoc yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh, okay Manu it's time to jump into the swimming pool then are, you, are, are Spain going to beat Slovakia mm, yeah I mean my, my heart when I think that yes but actually being honest I see like a kind of match as we, as we have already seen against Sweden and against against Poland with no so many chances but if you are a little bit lucky because I have to say that Spain was unlucky against Sweden and against Poland if you have like this bit of luck I think that Spain can, can win the match and, and go through, but it's going to be like kind of 50-50, like a coin, and we will see. Yep. I can't, I can't imagine Spain going out. It just seems seems crazy to me that that would happen, but um, not looking good for them at the moment. Uh, well, then we come to Group F, the group of death, which began with France during 1-1 with Hungary on Sunday. Uh, what happened to France here, Nico? I mean, they started really well, but that, that goal deflated them a bit just before half-time. Did we maybe overestimate how good they are after the win over Germany? Because I looked at that game and thought, they're definitely going to win the tournament, but I'm, I'm not so sure now. Well, Deschamps explained it was because of the atmosphere, the warm weather. It was like around 35 degrees. Um, I think Hungary played a really good game with uh, 60,000 fans in the stadium and France mostly lacked of efficiency. You saw the the mistake of Benzema, uh, he could have scored. But I prefer Le Bleu to do a bad game in the group stage than after. Let's say we use the, our joker. Um, overestimation, I'm not sure. The potential, the potential is amazing. It was more like some small mistakes in the last meters, mm. but maybe over-excitation with the Benzema comeback and after the first game, which was really solid against Germany. But honestly, I'm still confident. Yeah. Have you been disappointed with Benzema? I mean, no goals for him at the tournament yet, or do you, do you expect him to just uh, score a hat-trick in the next game or something? Well, we have to remember we won the 2018 World Cup without any goal from Giroud. So yeah, that's if, true, we yeah. <laughs> if we win it without goal of Benzema, I'm happy. But I'm not disappointed yet. Uh, he proposed very intelligent moves and passes, especially against Germany. Uh, his miss against Hungary was, of course, unexpected. But I hope he will, like France, uh, do a great game against Portugal and show it was just a a bad game against Hungary but nothing nothing serious yeah what what about the defending for Hungary's goal were you disappointed with that did that annoy you or and uh, is that something to worry about for France is that maybe their weakness central defence a little bit um, I, I would say the offensive uh, schema proposed by Deschamps asks a lot for the defensive uh, for the midfielders and the strikers to to defend they have a lot of of tasks uh, to do, but on the goal, everyone was far from the ball. Mm. And Pavar, who suffered a serious neck injury against Germany, was clearly late. Uh, I'm not worried, worried about uh, the defense, but I would like to see some changes. I would like to see Kunde on the right wing in order to rest Pavar, oh, and okay. also maybe because I think Kunde could be could be better for yeah. the rest of the competition. You like that? You're happy with the Varane Kimpembe partnership? Yeah, I'm happy for now. Yeah, fair enough. And the, the news today is that Usman Dembele's tournament is over. He's had to go home after getting a, a knee injury in, in the uh, Hungary game. Is that, a, is that a blow for France or 
is he just a bit of a sort of bit part player anyway? I think it's really not good for Deschamps because he was one of the first substitutes he would have used uh, to to bring a bit of fire and craziness uh, on the attack. So it's it's not good, but we still have a really nice bench with Coman, Ben Yedder, Turam, etc. So not bad. Not bad at it's all, okay. that, is it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Alex, what do you make of the uh, the Puskas Arena being at full capacity for the games there? Is it a joyous sight for you or a bit worried, or a, a, bit, a bit too soon for that kind of thing? Um, I actually feel quite uneasy seeing a lot of people, people yeah. that should know better, and a lot of big social media accounts saying how brilliant it is. Um, we can't forget, really, that the only reason this is happening is because it's in Orban's Hungary, which is a right-wing totalitarian dictatorship, which has severely suppressed the media over the past few years, has, in in quotation marks, their words, banned the promotion of homosexuality in schools Mm, and banned gay people from adopting children. Um, But Orban is using sport to bolster his own image at home and abroad, really. Um, That's obviously not to denigrate ordinary Hungarians at all, and it is nice to see football played played in front of a lot of fans. But... I think we need to remember like just why this is happening and where it's happening and yeah, not be quite so over the top in our yeah. in our parades, to be perfectly honest. Very well put. Yeah. Uh, well, finally, the, the second round of games in Group F concluded with Germany hammering Portugal 4-2 on Saturday. Uh, did you fear for Germany, Manny, when, when Portugal went 1-0 up in this game? Because I was looking at them thinking, wow, these guys are going home pretty quickly here. Well, maybe now it's... Too, it's too easy to say, but I have to I have to say that I really like Germany before the before the goal. I think that yeah, it was like the yeah. the goal from Gossens that actually the VAR just take it take it off. But even there were like more actions. Germany was being too offensive, but I mean then it's football. Ronaldo get like a counter attack, he scores. But actually, yeah, I was like thinking, yeah, how is gonna Germany react like that? Because when you are playing amazingly and suddenly you you check the the score and you are losing one zero, but they did perfectly well. They score they score really fast and for me Germany is what is is being one of the one of the best teams in the tournament because mm-hmm. against France even if they were like worse than France because France is an incredible team I think that they compete quite well uh, and, and yeah against Portugal it was it was an, an, an amazing performance so we will see what is what is going to happen they have to play against Hungary now but I'm kind of confident that Germany besides what happened in the last World Cup at the end in this kind of tournaments they, they always compete and you just have only to check like the, the bench with players like, like Leroy Sané being in the bench even Leon Goretzka they can enter in the second half they, they have like an, an incredible squad Indeed, yeah. I was going to ask you, Nico. I mean, the uh, p- perhaps a lot of people were a bit overly critical of Germany after the France defeat, but as, you know, we saw again here, didn't we, that it's never a good idea to write them off. Did, did they look like potential tournament winners in this, ma- in this match to you? Honestly, I saw clearly two different teams um, against France and against Portugal. I'm surprised Portugal, known for being a very good defensive team, conceded four goals. Uh, it shows low squad offensive potential. But I'm also looking forward to the game against Hungary to see how Germany behaves because one game okay against France, one really nice game against uh, Portugal. But how will we do against... Um, Hungary uh, Gary will defend really, really low and wait for them. Mm. I'm not sure they have. I, I mean, I think Portugal was very weak against Germany, but I'm not sure uh, Germany can do more good games like against Portugal. Honestly, I don't see them as a favorite, 
and I'm more still fearing Portugal than Germany for oh, really? the uh, final win. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've not been impressed with Portugal at all, actually, so far, and I was really looking forward to, to watching them. Um, we talked about Robin Gossens on the last podcast, and he, he was excellent again here, as was Serge Gnabry, I thought, Alex. Um, do you think maybe he isn't rated perhaps quite as highly as he should be, Gnabry? Um, People sort of look at Leroy Sané and, and yeah. still talk about him as a, as a brilliant player, and I think Gnabry's I, performing way better than him. I, don't know, I think times. the only people that probably don't rate him that highly in 2021 are those that don't really watch the Bundesliga that often. Tony to Pulis as well. And maybe Tony Pulis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's been brilliant for Bayern for the past two seasons and I, it just he's just sort of continuing that for Germany, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was excellent on Saturday, but I thought that whole attack was helped enormously by Thomas Muller. Yeah. I thought uh, slotted back into this Germany setup just with such ease and yeah, it's sort of amazing really how he was forced out like he was after the World Cup. I think he makes that whole sort of front line tick so well. The way he just creates space for himself and space for others and he just always makes the right decision. He's technically brilliant. Oh yeah, I love him. I love watching him. I Bit of bit of breaking news. Um, apparently, he might miss the hungry game though because of a knee injury. Oh yeah, according to Build and Sport Irons. So that's one to keep on top of. gunderwood has um, got a knock as well, hasn't he? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So that 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 would be a bit of a worry for me because yeah, I, I do think Muller really makes that that front line tick. So, um, but yeah, no, Nabry Nabry was superb. But yeah, I thought they were thought they were excellent on Saturday. It's probably the game of the tournament for me and the yeah, performance of the tournament so far. I thought they Indeed. were thought they were excellent. Yeah, well, Portugal have got France to come next. Manny, why do you think they got so easily torn apart by Germany? How how do they stop it happening again? Yeah, it was. As, as Nico mentioned, that they were that they concede four goals because if we remember Portugal, it's actually a team who which is really strong in the defense. Probably the the, the centre back that they have there, like the in my opinion, the strongest one in the tournament. But yeah, I mean, I, I accept of course another opinions, but I think like Ruben Diaz and Pepe, they are like really too experienced and two really good good, good defenders that they complement really good. But Germany was was too strong. Actually, I don't like how Portugal play with these two midfields, like yeah. Carvalho and, and Danilo, because actually you have like incredible players in in the offensive. But yeah, we all of know we we all know uh, Fernando Santos and the way that he that he managed the team. And I think that he's gonna die with with his ideas. I mean, actually, his experience uh, winning the, the the Euros made him to do it possible. But against France, if they decide to wait, France, we will see because. Pff, France is also another team that he doesn't like to play with the ball. He prefers to have more spaces. And looking forward to, to, to watch that match. But, but I don't know. I think that both teams at the end they are going to go through. Don't ask me how. But I think that with this new rule, well, uh, with the third teams, at the end we are going to see France, Germany and, and Portugal playing in the, in the last 16 and probably in the quarterfinal and semifinal. Yeah, agreed. Another, another sub that I couldn't really understand uh, this weekend was Bernardo Silva being taken off at half-time of this game. I thought he was one of Portugal's better players in the first half and they, they weren't nearly as uh, sort of cohesive with, without him in the second half. Um, but yeah, we come to the, the last game of the group, France v Portugal. Nico, are you feeling confident about that one, that France will win? I will be happy with the draw. Um, the main goal for France now is to reach the next step and avoid the third place. So... A draw would be enough. And then a new tournament will start and I expect France to turn into the, the winning machine mode <laughs> that we all expect and the Benzema <laughs> machine scorer we all expect. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not that confident. I'm wishing for a draw. And um, let's see. I, I, honestly, I it's a revenge of the 2016 Indeed, Euro yeah. final. So let's not lose again. First step, 
And if we win, uh, it would be a bonus. Yeah, all about getting through to the next round. Uh, well, that's about it for this episode of the One Football Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday when the group stage will have been decided and we'll be looking forward to the last 16 fixtures. Thanks to Alex, Manu and Nico for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. And remember, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or tweet us at onefootball. Ciao for now. Bye.